Welcome back, my friends, to the sweet spot where IT leaders share the inside with other leaders and others that want to lead. My name is Carlos Vargas, and as every week, I have my two co-hosts, Howard Holton and Paul Lewis. Hello, guys. Morning, morning. How's everyone doing? Excellent. Are we all in the same city? That'd be nice. Are we in the same uh, time zone? I don't think we are. I'm in, I'm in Central. I'm also in Central. Oh, I'm in Eastern. Yeah. Are you in, in Minneapolis like, this week? Oh, Minneapolis, yes. Minneapolis, yep. St. Paul. That's correct. Yes. I bought this a car is... there at the earlier in the year, uh, a 1985 Volkswagen Vanagon Westphalia, which is like a 5,500-pound van, okay. powered, by, powered by something today that would be underpowered for your, your yard lawnmower. Sunflower seeds? Yes, and then I drove it home. <laughs> you drove it? How many miles was that in? I don't know, 12, 1,300? How many engines? Uh, one one engine. Um, three and a half, I think, days I took to do it. Wow. No, I meant how many miles did the vehicle have on it? Oh, oh, oh. Um, <laughs> I don't honestly. 86,000 probably, something in there. Really? Like, at that point, you kind of stop you kind of stop measuring the miles precisely because you can't trust that the previous owner, I see. you know, like kept track. And um, and that's not really the problem right? like <laughs> from the from the factory. This 5000 pound vehicle, I think, had 78 horsepower. Brand new. Best case scenario. I see. Yeah. Are you talking the the big one, the camper one that, that you could yeah, yeah. lift? Yeah. With the pop top. Yeah. I learned to I learned to drive in one of those. Oh, oh you're right. kidding. Yeah. My brother had. Um, a white one that it had more rust than anything else. <laughs> so when you, you you have to be careful because if you when you press a clutch, you can push it too hard and it will go down <laughs> right through. <laughs> and and what appealed to you for this vehicle? Like, are you envisioning going camping out in the mountains? Like, what's the plan? Yeah, yeah, yeah we almost immediately used to to go camping when I got home. <laughs> really nice. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, it, it was somewhat unpleasant. <laughs> you should have just rented something from, from your house. Oh, I mean, yeah, absolutely, but but they're fairly collectible, so it's not it's not like uh, you know I I I bought it well, gave it a nice shakedown test. It's it's probably worth more than I paid for it, so I'm okay with it. But okay. um, but yeah, uh, that was my last MSP interaction, right? Flying in with a with a. Uh, Checked bag full of tools, uh, immediately getting in a vehicle I'd never even seen and driving it home. <laughs> that was probably a long time ago that they allow you to carry your tools on the plane. No, it was March of this year. You can check. You can check tools. Tools are no problem to check. Okay, you uh, check them. Okay, you, check them. you didn't. You didn't have them all in the cabin with you. No, that would have been awkward, sir. Why do you need eighty pounds of tools in the cabin? <laughs> Reasons. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> a little DIY while I'm while I'm flying. Right. Well, last time I flew, there was a maintenance issue, and if someone had had the right screwdriver, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's interesting that you mentioned that because having the right tools can help you do the job correctly, and probably we normally talk about differences, technologies. But I think that we want to go a little bit deeper into how to have the right tools 
is it what is needed to close the difference between the leadership gap? Is it the tools? Is it the knowledge? Is the experience for like when you have a, the next successor? Why, Carlos, I'm glad you asked. I don't know where it's pretty interesting. Um, so last time we talked, we I, I gave you a quick summary of this you know, relatively large CIO dinner I had, you know, four hours with, you know, 11 of your closest CIO friends, with the exception, of course, these two on the call here. Um, and we talked about sort of the big themes of culture, diversity and succession. I think we kind of give short shrift to the succession part because it was at least half of the conversation. Uh, so I'll give you a, a quick review of what the conversation was and then we can jump in. So there was consensus across all the CIOs in the room. And we're, as a reminder, most of the CIOs in the room were grizzled veterans, right? There's only two that you'd be even considered, you know, less than 10 years in the job. Fast majority. 25 or more, they were much closer to retirement than they were the start of their career. And to a person, it was very clear that there was a fear, I'm going to use the word fear on purpose, that they won't be able to retire on time because the gap between their skill set, expertise, and knowledge in the current role is has changed so dramatically in the last five years that the people who report to them or the people who report to those people have not obtained the same skill and therefore are not ready to take the big chair. So I'll give you some examples. Over the last five years, if not longer, but they concentrate on the five years, they've had to do more presentations to the board of directors than they've ever had to do before. Not just a single but they've had to present the cybersecurity framework. They've had to present the risk framework. They've had to present standards and policies on encryption. They've had to present uh, negative impacts of crypto buying out in the market to their world. They've had to present uh, different flavors of budget. Uh, they've had to present the intellectual property creation that they've had to do. They've also had a seat at the executive table, right? Whereas It might have been an operational expense IT. Now they're helping to make digital transformation decisions. They've actually participated in the digital transformation, budget creation, and implementation. Things to which they have never had to do before. They had to learn on the job. It was difficult to do, but they figured it out. Yet they didn't necessarily bring everybody in their team through the process. So there's a fear that everybody in their team won't be able to do that job. Have either of you two both either had that conversation or have that fear? Uh, had that conversation for sure. Yeah. Right. And, and, and what I'm seeing also is, you know, very early on in this podcast, we kind of talked about the three types of CIOs, right? Your, your kind of finance-focused CIO, which is your traditional old-form CIO, the digital-first CIO, and then the CIO who is number one and wants to be number two, right? The, right. the CIO that is, you know, HR or finance-focused and wants to become digital-focused. Um, I'm still seeing a tremendous lack of, of CIOs that are digital-first, CIOs that understand kind of the current remit to a level of, of um, thoroughness that would be required to teach someone else how to do it. Um, and a 
a major fear that uh, that that the space is moving faster than they're kind of prepared for, right? Um, and some of it has to do with with you know there's whole markets of companies that haven't changed their board focus to recognize the need and are now just now doing that, right? That that kind of you know we talked about it very much pre-COVID. Um, this need for a digital CIO and then COVID hit and all of a sudden it was kind of mandatory. You know what I mean? But, but, you know, as is, as, as, you know, companies did, they just kind of buried their head in the sand and said, this is going to last a weekend and, and then it'll be over. And then they kept their head heads buried for like a year and a half before right. they finally said, well, I'm now starting to choke on the sand. I probably should acknowledge this is more than a weekend or problem. And so there's a whole group of CIOs that aren't really equipped to deal with this new world <clears throat> and at the same time are looking at kind of, you know, they're staring to your point, they're, they're staring the, uh, the ghost of Christmas future closer than they are the ghost of Christmas past. <laughs> right. Um, and, and so, yeah, so I'm, I'm seeing very much the same thing. Um, and, and what's interesting is, Training your second, right? Training your, making sure that your replacement was waiting in the wings isn't something that's taught, right? So it's not like they went, oh crap, this this replacement I've been training in the wings to take over as a CFO focused CIO. Now, not only do I have to change, but they also have to change. I have to bring them along. No, because they never train those those people. Right. You know, we're not we're not really taught to do that. That seems that seems kind of, you know, I don't know, socialist in thought. I don't. You know. <laughs> Socialist. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually a good point. Do you think that the competitive nature of executives have made it more difficult for succession planning to exist? So in other words, I don't want somebody to take over for me and therefore I'm not purposely not going to train my next in command. I mean, I think absolutely. Yeah. Um, of course, I think it's silly, but but I absolutely think that, hmm. right? Um, but, but I also think there's a level of like fear that I also believe to be completely unwarranted. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like, fear as that, a, yeah, that they're as not a CIO, I'm not stuck in the market. Right. You know what I mean? So, so if I train my successor and my employer determines my successor is a cheaper option than me, a better right. option than me for whatever it is, it tends to be the cheaper option. And decides they're going to hire them and fire me. I'm not going to spend any time on the open market, right? You know what I mean? Like I'm going to get a long weekend, and then I'll be right back to work. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> whatever that long weekend means for me, right? I take six months off. It doesn't matter, but but it's by choice, not not by necessity, right? Right. So so it's weird to me that that um, that that's the thought process. It's weird to me that that the reaction then is, well, I'm not going to train my successor. I'm not going to. It's not even it's not even a thought. And I'm not sure that they actively say I'm not going to train my successor as much as just they never thought of training their successor to begin with. Right. Or they're so high on their own expertise that they wouldn't even think that anybody was ready, even in the best of times, even though the reality is they probably had several people who could easily do a command and control CIO job, which is so, arguably the easiest way you could be a CIO. Uh, the reality is it doesn't matter. Right. Right. The reality is everything can go perfectly fine. My company could want to give me more stock and give me more money, given even the opportunity, and I can get hit by a bus or have cancer or have a life-changing event that I cannot control. 
that has me in a position where my day-to-day -day is focused on, you know, the beeping thing on my bedside, holding the hand of someone that I care about, or, you know, seeing what's on the other side of, of, of this life, um, none of which I have the ability to control, right? And so, you know, why not be prepared for the, for, for what is an eventuality, put everybody in a better position. And what is the worst that happens? I train my second and they sit in a waiting room a little longer than they want to. And I help them find an excellent spot at another company. And I train another second. You, you could have used a way less macabre. You know, <laughs> <laughs> of winning the lottery or something. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I'm traveling this week and, it, and I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not traveling for work this week. So it just happens right. to be the headspace that I'm in at the moment. Got it. Got it. Right. Um, I wonder if, and there was a fear in the room, but I, I wonder if there's some validity there that the last five years was a significant amount of change for the role of CIO. Will the next five years be at the same rate, slow down, stop, go back to what it was? Or is it, are we talking about not just linear growth, but algorithmic growth of change, right? Where five years from now, the CIO is much more COO than CIO. There was not a consensus in the room. It wasn't entirely clear what they thought the next five years of the role might look like. Oh, I think the role is going to change significantly in the next five years, right? I think, I think we've been playing with a CTO and CIO that I don't think both have the same position they did in the next five years, mm. right? Um, I think we've been hinting at the CISO being an, being a, a kind of level playing field of, of CXO and not yeah. just, you know, a title in lieu of pay kind of CXO. Um, and I think that's gonna change, right? Um, so I think there's, I, I, I think the role of the CIO, the responsibility of the CIO, the mandate of the CIO is gonna change significantly in the next five years and we're sitting at the we're sitting at the precipice of an assumed recession that every corporate budget is treating as though it was a recession so they don't get caught flat-footed right right so so yeah i think i think it's absolutely going to change right what's the um, attributes of that change are they like describe cio in 2030 then or 2027 is it uh, Digital only? Is that is that what a CIO does now? Um, yeah, I think I think by twenty thirty, the role of the CIO is going to be to reconcile, like to to spend a ton of time in the wish of the business, and I, I actually think they're going to come closer to the CISO, um, not in function but in kind of attitude. Right, the CISO tends to be very connected to the capabilities of the space to which they, they lead, the technical right. capabilities, right? Like, like they're not necessarily gonna sit at a console. They're not gonna do penetration testing. They're not gonna necessarily do remediation. Um, but the value of their technical acumen and the ability to explain it to the business becomes more and more valuable. And I think CEOs are gonna start to be asked to do that because I think you're gonna find um, them having to uh, quantify the wish as it were uh, to the board, I think they're going to have to quantify the wish to the investors, you know, to the to the shareholders. I think they're going to have to quantify it out into the business, um, and, and I think it's going to require an awful lot more. I think, I think, honestly, I think the some of the traditional kind of finance reporting that was happening 
I think we'll spend less and less and less time on as as we simply as the office of the CIO, um, you know, uses a rapidly evolving set of FinOps tool set to make that conversation less interactive within the office itself, you know, um, right. and it just becomes part of a report out where the focus really is going to be on, you know, how are we leveraging the spend from the last, you know, quarter in depth, the next quarter in depth and the prior 18 months in less depth to achieve our overall goals and um, a lot of prognostication, right? A lot of prediction, right? What is, what is the comp competition doing? What should we be doing and what are we doing to really secure our place in the world. Um, and then, you know, things like security and governance and compliance are going to be a, you know, um, a, a cooperative kind of conversation that's going to take more and more and more time. So CIO, so what used to be CIO as the operator, then became CIO as the innovator, and then will become CIO as the analyst. Analyst or visionary, yeah, yeah. So that your that your conduit now is putting the shoes on of the customer, putting the right. shoes on of the competitor, putting the shoes on of a potential buyer, and by that I mean investor, borrower, buyer, versus the shoes of IT. Yes, or the yeah. CIO will become will remain the operator and become effectively held in similar regard as the CISO is today. As in, you have a C title, but you're not really invited to the big boy table anymore because right. the requirements of the big boy table have moved on and the C you now report to the CTO. That is an interesting take. In fact, that's probably the big fear from the CIOs that were at the table, the saying, the next in command can't do what I'm doing now, may not be able to do what is requested of us five years from now. And therefore, IT will then be relegated back to operator because they haven't obtained that skill. Essentially, taking the entire team of IT and subtracting five years from them, which is sure. good, bad. Well, it's hilarious. <laughs> it's hilarious, right? It's like it's like running a relay race and going. Because we don't, none of us have created this, right? We've built on the shoulders, even if it's a new organization, you're building on the shoulders of those that have come before you, you know, right. what I mean? and, and you build on the shoulders of your entire team. And it's, it's very much like running the relay race, finishing first at the Olympics, and then telling your team, the rest of the team that helps you get there. Oh, I'm sorry, guys, you're really kind of intramural level. So if you just go back to running those races, I'm going to finish out you know, flying home on the private jet for winners, but you're not really a winner. No, like <laughs> right. the fact that you're there means your team and everyone that got you there also deserves to be there. You've already got the brass ring. Right. You know what I mean? Like, why would you, you know, why, why would you then turn to like your team problem. and go, you're only ready for the corner? Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah, yeah but, it, but it's kind of an attitude corner, right? That's why I find it right. kind of hilarious. Like you're, you're already welcomed to the room. Why would you give that up? And and I do see that happening a lot, right? I do see, you know, there's a lot of kind of really smart people that I talk to that are in those leadership positions. And then you go, okay, cool. Like, why is it only you in the room? Right. Why have I never talked to anybody who's ever reported to you? And their answer right. is because they're either not read in, they're not in the know, or they're busy doing the work that I didn't want to do. 
i.e. operating. Right. And step one is put them in the room. Right. Right. Like the, the step one of your second in command is they are to live in your head. Right. Right. So that means they're always in the room. They're always invited in the room. Right. Even if that means you have to pull them away from whatever the job is that they're assigned to today and backfill that and start backfilling that. Right. Number two lives in your head. It's right. it's you know, that's kind of the that's kind of the the ask for someone who wishes to be number two. Right. Like if you want the seat after I leave, I will do everything I can to train you for it. That means you live in my head, which means, unfortunately, in that I have to often wear more hats than one. You have to have two jobs now. Right. Yeah, roll up the sleeves because there's a different expectation on you now. Yep. You you now have to be the bridge between everything I do and everything you do. And and <laughs> as a CIO, you can no longer have an internal mo monologue while that person's in the room. Right. Right. Because because we're now we're now in a race to make sure that 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 person is thoroughly prepared. And then the hard part becomes, what if the organization doesn't take your advice? Right. right. What what if what if you go, okay, cool. Well, I'm I'm leaving for, for the myriad of reasons that there are there. I have prepared right. this person to take over for me and they go, Yeah, we've decided to go a different way. Right. We're gonna hire external. Right. Right. Now, as a CIO, I will tell you, because I had this situation, don't be concerned about that other person. Hmm. Interesting. Right. Because you've also likely given them the confidence to uh, uh, to understand the value that you that you gave them. And so they're gonna be fine. Right, they're, you, they're likely going to go. You prepare them for you replacing you or some other job, some other place. Correct. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, and that happened. Right, the the person that that was my number two changed their their entire like they moved to an entirely different organization within the company, um, and are wildly successful at doing that, and bring to bear all of the lessons that they learned. Right, so was, right. so they're they're far more successful in that new role. Than they would have been had they not been in the number two slot, even even though they did not, you know, take over for me when I left. And they can put way more bells and whistles on their jeep, so that that was fun. <laughs> Carlos, that was that was a good deeper dive on that that slide of that conversation. That's good. I think that listening to both of you, I think the concern, like you mentioned, is like they haven't picked someone to probably start that process. What would be probably that first step to pick someone? Do you pick someone that will be exactly like you? Do you pick someone that will compliment you? Do you start thinking about that next level that you want? Okay, this is something that I can do, so I'm gonna train this other person that I see that other, those other qualities, so it will do the job when I leave. What do you guys look for on that? Uh, so I, I actually, I think this is the easiest question ever. Um, I think don't quantify it. Just close your eyes and goes and go, if I died tomorrow, who would I want to take over for me? And there's your person like the You already know the name. Yeah. Right? There's a thousand things that I, that, that you could say to do and to not do, but ultimately you already know the name. Don't make it harder than it has to be. If you yep. were, if you exited the organization tomorrow and, and you were able to look back and go, boy, I hope it's in a healthy state. Uh, a name just popped into your head. That's your second in command. Just do it. Yeah, hundred percent agree. <laughs> it it is an obvious person. Yeah. Well, my friends, that's being 
closing that gap so you can make sure that when you go in vacation, when you take that next step, you have somebody there. So my friends, make sure that you share, you subscribe, and we'll see you on our next episode.